0: Ah, uh, welcome! Thank you, Father Mark. Uh, yeah, for those of you who are here for the first time this week, welcome. For those who came last week, welcome back. Um, when we first started this, we weren't uh, we weren't sure how many people were going to come. We we had no idea if it was going to be five, ten, hundred, two hundred. We didn't know, so um, we just we just went for it and prayed that the Lord would provide, and and He did. If we get any more people, we're going to have to find a new room because it looks like we're a, we're a little we're a little packed. There's a couple seats up front normal Catholics avoiding the front row. Um, <laughs> pack it in the back. Um, as Father Mark said, my name is Randy Betty. I uh, am the Director of Youth and Young Adult Ministry for the Diocese of Rapid City. Um, I've been in this job for about seven months now. Um, before that, I was uh, the Director of Youth, uh, Coordinator of Youth Ministry at St. Therese. Uh, so it's good to see my St. Therese folks here. Um, yeah, so I got got some experience there and then... The, the job opened up at the diocese, so I went for it. Um, I'm from Spearfish, born and raised there. Uh, grew up there, and uh, living in Rapid now. So uh, even though this is uh, only our second week, um, I've already learned a valuable lesson. And actually, I learned the lesson before, before the seminar even started, um, because at one of the planning meetings, um, I had to leave early for some reason, and this was the meeting where we were deciding who was going to do what. <laughs> And so on my way out the door, I said, yeah, I'll do whatever. Just sign me up for anything. And so here I am. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I'm the co- coordinator, giving a talk, doing a small group, just <laughs> doing it all. But um, I, I know now that that's a dangerous thing to do, to say, yeah, sign me up for whatever. But um, I'm very happy to be here. I'm glad uh, to do this. I'm excited to do this. Um, so we can get a, get a taste of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, Tonight's topic is salvation, following on uh, the heels of God's love, right? That Susan Safford shared with us last week, Um, God's love, right? We're starting with the basic and the most important thing. God loves us, and now he saves us. So um, I want to start with uh, a scripture verse that we're all pretty familiar with, I think. Uh, That's John 3.16. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. All right, any questions? <laughs> I was like, that's, that's the heart of it, right? I mean, what else do we need to know? Um, actually, the talk I prepared, I think I've got enough here for like an hour and a half. So um, there is, there's obviously more to say. There's obviously more to say about that, but that's the heart of it, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? Sent his son to save us. That is, that's the gospel message uh, in, a, in a sentence. God loved the world, and he sent his son to save us. Um, but, yeah, there's a little more to it right That, And we know the story, right? So it starts the very beginning. God is love, and out of his love he creates everything, the world, the universe, and us. Um, one of the best descriptions I've heard of that is, was from a, a teammate when I was on a Duke and Altam team traveling around the diocese. And he said, God made us because he knew we would like it. it's like wow that was like super simple but makes yeah it's like it just hit the nail on the head god made us because he knew we would like it um so he creates us right he creates us in his own image and likeness out of his love made us for love to be with him and then we messed it up right the fall um adam and eve we know the story uh, we fell, we broke away from God, right? We say, now we got this, we can, we can do this without you. Um, and through that, sin enters the world, and death enters the world, right? And uh, we, know, we know how that plays out. Now there's a world full of sin, full of suffering, full of pain, and full of death, right? we were not made to die, but because we separated ourselves from the author of life, we experience death now. And... It's not, uh, it's not too difficult to look into our own lives and see where this is at, right? Uh, you all have probably known someone who was important to you in your life, and then they passed away, right? This that's a real experience of death and the effects of sin. And I think in your own life, too. What, what behavior is there that either you know you should let go, but you don't want to, or you do want to, but you can't seem to get past it. You can't seem to let it go. Right? We all have those behaviors, those sins that we're attached to that make our life more difficult. And they pile up guilt and shame and get in the way of relationships and limit our ability to love. And we live a diminished life because of those things. Think of the relationships in your life that suffer Because of sin, where there's selfishness on both sides, probably. Relationships that are broken. That, that cause us a lot of pain, right? And a lot of suffering. And we wish we could just end it. We wish we could just get past it. We wish things were perfect. But we can't seem to avoid the fact that sin and death have entered the world and we experience that in a very real way in ourselves, in our relationships and in the darkness of our mind and in the weakness of our will and in the disordered passions that we experience Um, but most of all um, in feeling an absence from God, right? Our sin separates us from God and we don't hear His voice we don't feel His presence and we feel lost usually when that happens and then when that void (laughs) and that, that love that we were created for isn't fulfilled, we turn to something else to fill the void, which usually ends up being more sin, right? Find something else to satisfy us that just makes it worse. It makes the whole bigger. And we are stuck in this uh, severe finality of death, right? Up until, think about it. The people who lived up until the idea of resurrection came about—it's like this unavoidable fact of we are all going to die. I'm going to die, and then what? That's the end. There's nothing left. That's, I mean, knowing or seemingly it being finite—that uh, there's an end and there's nothing afterwards, right—makes it seem meaningless. It's like, what is the point of life if it just ends and there's nothing else? So, all that being the obviously the groundwork we want to stand on. For we need a savior, right? We need a savior. We need someone, something greater than ourselves, because we are stuck in this pit, and we can all taste that in our lives. You know where it's at. It's usually really painful, so it's not not hard to see. And we need something, someone to get us out of the pit, right? We just need someone to heal those things, fix what's broken. Uh, teach us how to love again, teach us how to let go of our selfishness and our attachments so that we can give ourselves to God and to others and be at harmony with ourselves too, right? Be united with ourselves, that we're whole. And thanks be to God, that's, that's exactly what God gave us, right? Salvation. We're talking about salvation. So, God sends his son, Mary, Mary gives her fiat, right? She says yes. The angel, angel Gabriel sent. And uh, one, of my, one of my favorite prayers I just like to, to pray is the, um, in Latin, just the phrase is fiat mihi, let it be done to me. Right? Those words of Mary, fiat mihi, let it be done to me. And because of that, yes, because of that, yes, sh- she bore the Savior, right? Jesus took on flesh and came into the world. And then we know his life, Right? Grew up in Nazareth after kind of a brief hiatus to Egypt, right? Came back, uh, grew up, lived a pretty quiet life as the son of Joseph, the carpenter's son, until about age 30 and then began his public ministry, right? There's this miracle at the wedding feast of Cana. The water changes to wine. People are wondering where all this great wine came from, right? And Jesus is kind of starting to stand out now. Um, and he calls his disciples and he travels around and he begins to preach and heal and teach and yeah, open the eyes of the blind and open the ears of the deaf and amazing things start to happen. And um, all these people who are around Jesus who thought, you know, this is just a really great guy are starting to see there's something a little more to this guy than just guy, right? There's, there's something divine here. Well, like, what is going on? Um, and ultimately... Right The Paschal mystery, Jesus goes to the cross right he's condemned, he takes his cross, he dies, and he dies for us, and in that death, he takes on all of that stuff that we 're stuck to, right all of those things that we don't want in our life, that darkness he takes on himself, that sin he takes on himself and dies with it, right? He becomes the offering and Through his death and then resurrection, uh, we see the destiny of human nature, right? Jesus, who is God, takes on a human nature and shows us he does human nature right, right? Whereas we keep messing it up. um, Jesus is like, no, I'll take on a human nature and I'll show you how to be human. Um, See, he lives a sinless life, dies, and comes back to life, right? Resurrection. And that's the new life, and in that we see what we want. And, we, and he shows us what he's offering us, right? Eternal life, right? I mean, this, this resurrection is, is different than, like, Lazarus coming back from the dead, right? Because Lazarus eventually died again, whereas Jesus has new life, right? He is uh, the firstborn of all creation. All right? he's, he remakes human nature to what it was supposed to be, which is life unending, in perfect union with divinity. So, that's what, that's what Jesus does for us. We know that. That's kind of the big picture, right? Creation, God works in his, uh, his chosen people. Eventually, Jesus comes and he dies for us. He rises again. He starts the church, right? He ascends and sends the Holy Spirit upon the apostles, and the church is born and vivified and given a new power, And they go out and evangelize and the church begins. So we know that. We know what's happened. But that was 2,000 years ago, right? Almost. So the question is, like, and right here, April 7th, is that what day it is? Thursday, April 7th, 2016. How do you come in contact with that? With that saving mystery, that Paschal mystery, that work that God did? In His Son Jesus, how do we participate in that? Like where, like where do we come in contact with that? How do we touch it? Right? How do we bring it into ourselves? Um, that's the question I really want to look at of salvation. Right? We we kind of see the big picture salvation, right? Hopefully, you we're taught that in you know CCD or RCIA or growing up, or just reading scripture, right? We see what God has done, but how does it come into me? How do I get saved? How do I experience that new life? Because I don't know about you, but I still experience that darkness and that sin and that misery and that suffering. And I'm sick of it, right? I don't want it in my life anymore. I want to experience new life. I want to I know that I'm going to live perfectly united to God for the rest of eternity. I want to be with Him. So how do like where where does that connect right where do we get plugged in? Um, how do we touch salvation? I started started to scratch the surface, started to learn the answer to that question. Uh, my junior year of college, um, I was in seminary at the time. I was a seminary for the diocese of Rapid City for a couple of years and. Uh, at Immaculate Heart of Mary Seminary uh, in Winona, Minnesota. Um, I played basketball. I was on the interreal basketball team and there was one game It was right at the end of the game. It's kind of embarrassing actually because they only had four players and we had five and we were still losing. But, um, <laughs> but it was close. We were putting up a fight. But it was like the last few seconds of the game, I shot a three, I missed, but the ball came straight back at me. And so I get my own rebound and I charge straight at the hoop and I'm going up hard and a defender steps in the way right as I'm going up off my left ankle and I step on his foot with all my force. Right, I'm going up hard. I'm jumping towards the hoop. That was my last plant and all of my force, all of that momentum on a completely sideways ankle. And there was a super loud pop. And, like, I, I instinctively knew what happened before I even hit the ground, right, because I landed on one foot and just sat down, and I was like, I'm done. <laughs> um, and it was, uh, it was mostly just a sprain, it was mostly just a sprained ankle, but I sprained it so bad that the very tip of the bone, my leg bone, got pulled off, it was just a teeny tiny little speck, so technically it was a fracture, so I can say I, can say I broke my ankle, um, even though it was really just a sprain, but... Yeah, I mean, a few hours later, it looked like I had a purple sock on. It was like like halfway up to my knee. Um, but where I really learned the lesson was, the, you know, six weeks after that, when I'm hobbling around on a crutch, um, my room was on the third fo- floor of the dorm. There's no elevator in the dorm. So that was kind of a pain. I was pretty, I was pretty sure that I was going to roll my other ankle skipping down the stairs <laughs> on one leg. Um, thankfully that never happened, but um, where I really started to learn the lesson was uh, people would offer me help, right? They would ask, can I get that for you? Like, can I hold the door for you? Can I hold your crutch for you while you do that? Um, do you need a hand, right? Breakfast, we go through line. I was like, let me carry your bowl of cereal for you. And almost every single time, my immediate reaction was, no, I got it. No, I got it. I can do this by myself. I don't need your help and uh in and just like in just reflecting on that it took some time to see but um like up until then i lived my life completely self-reliant it's all i can do it i don't need your help i have the power um yeah go do your own thing i'm i've got myself covered and it was really hard to to let that go and to to realize just let the truth sink in that it's okay to depend on other people. And the way that translated to my spiritual life is that in my prayer life, it's okay to depend on God, right? Cuz I'm sure that helped shift my prayer life cuz I'm sure the way I was praying up until then, I'd go to the chapel and I'd, you know, pray with scripture or something and I would like manufacture a grace out of it, right? Like I try tried to squeeze something out of it. Like, God, I got to come out of this holy hour with a, a nugget of truth or a new insight or something. Meanwhile, God's probably just like sitting there, like waiting for me to look up at him. Like, and there wasn't a lot of conversation in that prayer. Um, but that was where I really, really started to to learn to depend uh, on others, and that that started a, a shift for me in my prayer life. And God's still hammering that tendency out of me in the most painful ways possible. But uh, but it's good, and it's it's what I need, I guess, to learn the lesson. But Um, Dependence on God Like where does that contact come in So um, I have a handy dandy little handout for you A couple of my helpers would uh, pass these out Um, This is Big picture The the sacramental economy The economy of salvation It's all squeezed onto one page I don't have time to go through it piece by piece But there's a lot on there To pray about and think about So Um Take a, take a good look at that. But thankfully, right, that question, how do we come in contact with salvation, right? We know what God has done, and that's how we're saved, but how do I take that, right? How do I receive that gift? How do I touch it? How do I take it into myself? Uh, well, God answers that question for us, right? He establishes His church, and he gives certain men the ability to confect the Eucharist. And to forgive sins, not just in a a nice psychological release sort of way, but to have true spiritual authority to erase sins, to forgive them completely. And so we see this, the sacramental economy of how God has chosen to work so that we can receive his new life, so that we can start to participate in his resurrection. So you see the Father... The Son, the Holy Spirit, and a little bit about each one of those. The church, and the church gives us the sacred liturgy, right? The church gives us the liturgy and the sacraments, and as a community, as a whole people of God, we come into union with each other and with God through that practice. Right? And we know the sacraments. We know how important baptism is, right? This, this rebirth, the gift of the Holy Spirit, a new identity as a son or daughter, Of the Father, uh, confirmation, reconciliation, Eucharist, right? And then a call to vocation, and one of the other sacraments, marriage or holy orders, and healing in anointing of the sick, right? We have this means that God has given the church, that the church gives us, the members of the church, to come in contact with that grace, with that new life. Here's the kicker, though. Here's the tricky part. You know, in your own experience, that this doesn't, this isn't like automatic, right? It's just not just like, go, and then it's done, and then all your sins are taken away, and all the pain goes away, and all the suffering goes away, and life is just a happy bliss from then on out, right? You know that that's not how it works. right? If you've gone to Mass, okay, honestly, who's ever been bored at Mass, right? Does that feel like new life do the resurrected life that joy that deep joy in and intimacy with God um, so that's the trick is that at the heart of this the liturgy and the sacraments is a relationship a personal relationship <laughs> um, to give a little more context for that there's a paragraph I want to read here from the from the catechism I can find it. I'm talking about salvation. So just to make sure we have this clear, this is what the church teaches. Salvation comes from God alone. But because we receive the life of faith through the church, she is our mother. We believe in the church as the mother of our new birth and not in the church as if she were the author of our salvation. Because she is our mother, she is also our teacher in the faith, right? Salvation comes from God, from God alone. But he's chosen to give it that salvation through the church. And in that, there's a personal relationship, right? Where we encounter him, where we feel his presence, where we hear, hear his voice. And we encounter Christ in a real way. And usually it it reorients you, right? Whether it was big or small, Right? You get a new direction. And it's a direction away from that pain and suffering that we, we struggle with. <clears throat> and it's towards this new life that we see in the resurrection. <clears throat> but that's like the hand reaching out to us, right? God's reaching to us through the church. He's reaching for us. Where we come in contact, we have to reach back, right? Right? We have to reach back and take that hand. God loves us. He pours himself out to it. We have to receive and respond. We have to reach back. And so in that, there's a a relationship. There's an exchange. Um, So salvation, that's really what I want to focus on. What is salvation? Uh, It's not earned, right? There's There's not a checklist, and if you check everything off the list, you get into heaven. I think we have a tendency to look at salvation that way, right? Like, What do I have to do to get into heaven? that's kind of a minimalist approach, right? You're asking, what's the bare minimum I can do but still make the cut, right? That's not a, re- a really good way to grow in love of God, <laughs> grow in love for God. Um, but I think we tend to think of it that way. It's not magic either, right? It's not just, I go to Mass and there's there's uh, some cool word said and then I'm, I'm saved, like this magic thing happens. Um, no, it happens in a relationship, right? When we go to Mass... When we go to the sacraments, it's supposed to be an encounter with a person. An encounter with a person. And so there's a relationship, an exchange. It's real time, right? In the moment, in the present moment, where we pour our hearts out to him. right? We give our heart over. We open up and we let him come in and we let him have all of us. And in that, we find full, conscious, active participation in the liturgy and the sacraments. Right? Not just a, a boredom or a going, going the flow, right? Going through the motions. No, it's like we feel his presence there. We experience him. We talk to him. We hear his voice. And that happens above all in the Eucharist, right? We call it the blessed sacrament. Because every other sacrament communicates grace to us. And it's the means by which we are saved. But the Eucharist is Jesus, it is him, it is his flesh. It is his blood. And we, in a, in a real, literal, physical way, we get to touch him, right? We get to touch him, consume him, bring him into ourselves. And it's, right, we participate in that sacrifice of his body, right? If we participate in his death, which that's what the Eucharist is, it's his death, his body present there. When that's in us, when that's part of us, that's part of our life, and we give our heart over to that, that's what leads us to participate, full participation in the resurrection as well. That's, that's it right there. That's the relationship right there. and It's this, it's this trade, this beautiful trade that happens. Um, Jesus is saying, I will give you eternal life. Like, Let me, just give me all of your sins and all of your misery. I'll take all of that and I'll give you joy and peace and eternal life. Like, okay, we, we kind of see who got the short end of the stick on that one, right? Um, but that's how much he loves us. Like, I'll take everything you don't want and give you everything I have. In a relationship, in an exchange, through this hand reaching out to us through the church, in the liturgy and in the sacraments. And the goal is heaven, right? The goal is heaven. To experience that resurrection and to live with God, to be in love with God, For the rest of eternity. (coughs) Um, That's, I think that's where it's at. That's salvation. It's to be with Him. Um, And all those things we want, all those things we desire, they start to happen in this life. Heaven begins in this life, but come to fulfillment Mm -hmm. in heaven. Um, St. Ambrose said, When we speak about wisdom we are speaking of Christ. When we speak about virtue we are speaking about Christ. When we speak about justice we are speaking of Christ. When we speak about peace we are speaking of Christ. When we speak about truth and life and redemption we are speaking of Christ. So all those things that we want, all those good desires of our heart Jesus is the answer, right? He is the fulfillment of all his desires. And we have to let go of our sins and give them to him. Those obstacles are removed, and we can open up our heart to receive that life in that relationship. Um, and that's, that's been the hard thing for me, right? My tendency to do it by myself. And even in the faith, right? <laughs> to achieve salvation by myself. It <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Um, there's a phrase, a phrase I've heard that applies perfectly. Without God, I can't. Without me, God won't. I am very short and simple, but it, it's right where it's at, right? Without God, I can't. Without me, God won't. It's a relationship. takes both of us. Uh, God's the one who has the power. He's the one who's done all the saving work. But he's not going to do it without me, right? He's not just going to pull me up to heaven without my participation, without an act of will, right? And so we have to choose it, right? We have to decide, who is Jesus? Is he my salvation? Is he the way to heaven? How am I going to respond to this gospel message? Consider yourselves preached to. You've gotten the kerygma, right? Jesus saves. (coughs) But now we have to choose... How to respond? Uh, so I just I want to end with a quick prayer and uh, read another another paragraph from the Catechism that says it well. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Jesus means in Hebrew. God saves. At the Annunciation, the angel Gabriel gave him the name Jesus as his proper name, which expresses both his identity and his mission. Since God alone can forgive sins, it is God, who in Jesus, his eternal Son, made man, will save his people from their sins. Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son and the gift of your Holy Spirit please give us the grace to open our hearts and to respond to you, to receive the gift of salvation with the hope of eternal life in mind. We give all the glory to you as we pray. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. to invite uh, Bridget uh, Decker, who will uh, be our our witness uh, speaker tonight, Uh, will give uh, her testimony. Um,
1: My name is Bridget Decker. Um, Randy took my job. (laughs) And now I teach high school religion at St. Thomas More. So I haven't spoken to adults in a long time, so (laughs) bear with me. (laughs) Uh, I want to start with prayer uh, from the Gospel of Mark. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Now Jesus and his disciples set out for the village of Caesarea Philippi. Along the way, he asked his disciples... Who do, you, who do people say that I am? <coughs> they said in reply, John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others one of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter said to him in reply, You are the Messiah. <coughs> then he warned them not to tell anyone about him. Heavenly Father, I ask that you use my words uh, to, to share your love. Give me confidence and courage and humility. ask all this in thy name. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Uh, When I was asked to to share my witness, I I went back to this passage of who do you say that I am? And I reflected about that in my own life. Um, I grew up the third of four girls in Spearfish, South Dakota. And... um, My parents, my mom was a strong Catholic, my dad was Baptist, but they agreed to raise our family in the Catholic Church, and so uh, growing up, we attended Mass together, and I never realized my father wasn't Catholic, because um, I just thought he was keeping me company while everyone else received uh, communion, and the year that I received my first communion in second grade, he entered the church, and... um, uh, he's been a beautiful witness of faith in my life as well as my mother. But uh, that was my upbring- upbringing. Uh, the friends that I had shielded me from getting into too much trouble. Uh, but I viewed God as a child as, um, as a judge and as an accountant. That as long as I was good, I would stay in God's favor and I would um, avoid hell. And so I, I did everything I could to be good, and I was good at being good. And um, I, I operated like that um, until into high school. And uh, my friends were mostly Protestant, and they would invite me to church camps and Hills Alive. And uh, the question was posed to me of, uh, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? And because my dad's family was Baptist, I had aunts and uncles asking me to do a word about my <coughs> salvation. And I wasn't sure what the answer was to that question. I, I didn't know if, uh, if I was saved. And in my conversations with Christ, I felt like he wasn't listening, like he wasn't there. Uh, and so in high school, it was uh, this distant God that was supervising my life, but wasn't active within it. Um, I had many conversations as a high schooler frustrated um, that God wasn't speaking to me that he didn't care um, the summer before my senior year of high school uh, my, my mom and I were, I was getting ready to take my senior pictures in Rapid City and we were staying here and I was so, all I cared about was how I looked so, for the next day for the photo shoot um, and we received a phone call from my oldest sister's husband, and he said uh, our their son Jack wasn't breathing, and um, we needed to get out to the house as soon as possible. And so we sped down Sheridan Lake um, to my sister's house, and I remember walking in as the paramedics told her that um, Jack wasn't going to make it, and watching her crumble. Um, and uh, that, was, that was the worst night of my life um, because the, these people that I depended on as my source of faith, my parents and my older siblings, were now questioning the existence of God. And why would a God that is good do this? And for me, I, I already having a shaky faith, I was, I was doubting and I was angry. <coughs> and I, in God's providence, found myself in the chapel in Spearfish. In the Adoration Chapel and I just started I started telling sharing my heart with the Lord and the, re- the response I received was Bridget I've got him um, he's in my arms because my fear was that no one was holding Jack and uh, and that was the first time in my life where I felt like God was in it that he cared and that he was with me in my in my suffering The following summer, I signed up for World Youth Day in Australia. And uh, the reason I signed up was because my friends were going and I didn't want to hear them talk about how great it was when they got back. (laughs) Um, So I I went on the trip, um, begrudgingly, and there I met people that really, that knew Christ. Um, Father Mark McCormick and Father Dylan was a baby seminarian at the time. And um, he was my small group leader. These people that were on fire, and they had this joy and peace because all through high school, I was trying to be good. And so I was trying to win favor of my coaches, and my parents, and my teachers. And whatever accolade I could receive, that was my worth. And by the time I graduated, the night after that awards banquet, I went home and I felt so empty because that was not satisfying. And the satisfaction I was looking for, I saw in these people, that they were living for something so much more. And so in Australia, on the beach, I said to the Lord, okay, if you're really real, and if you're who these people say you are, I, I want to know you, and I want my life to be different. And I, I don't, I don't want to keep reverting back to these patterns in my life. And, and he was faithful to that prayer. Um... I was in 2008, and in the last eight years, um, when I think about the question, who do you say that I am, he's been my cheerleader, and my, he has asked me to do so many things that I am so incompetent. I should not be teaching high school religion. (laughs) Gail Winger, I apologize for any harm that I've caused your daughter. (laughs) Um, But... He calls me in over my head, and I all I can do is say lord i'm here's my empty hands, use me as you will um, he's been my healer and my counselor in the moments where I've felt so wounded and unworthy and he's he's you know he's been there in bed with me when I'm crying, and he's helped me he's been my best friend he's been. Uh, my comforter and my confidant. And um, as a teacher now, I seek his counsel as the good teacher. Um, my senior year of college, a friend of mine asked me, what does God call you? And I I took it to prayer and the response I received was from Isaiah 43, which is my favorite passage, and in the words, you are mine. That the more I've fallen in love with Christ, He's possessed me, and He's He's a lover. Um, I want to close with the words of my favorite. My favorite title for Christ is the King of Love, and I'm sure most of you have heard. That's that hymn, "The King of Love, My Shepherd Is." Um, I. My prayer for tonight was that I could demonstrate how I don't deserve the love of God and I don't deserve how he saved me from myself and my the facade that I've tried to present and my own woundedness. And uh, He's just, he's just been so good. He's a good father and he's been so faithful and so loving. And all I can do is stand in gratitude for what he's done in my life. And as all of you know, In your own lives. I know many of you, and I know that He's touched you um, in very radical ways. Uh, If you just close in prayer with me, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. The King of love, my shepherd is, whose goodness fails me never. I nothing lack if I am His, and He is mine forever. I nothing lack. He is mine, and he is mine forever. Lord, help us to know evermore how much you love us. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit,
0: Thank you, Bridget. I'm going to turn it back over to uh, Randy, and he's going to split us up into our small groups. So you need to be back in, in this room uh, after you leave for your small group at 8.20, uh, back here. So um, don't forget the Mustard Seeds, they have some books uh, as well uh, for you to look at. But back here at 8.20, uh, go, right, uh, go to your uh,
1: coffee, water, small groups, and we'll come back. <laughs>